0: welcome back to the discussion phase a board gaming podcast where we take a break from playing the games we love to talk about the games we love as always i'm your host matthew and i'm brady and on this week's episode we're talking about the price of admission talking about whether or not board games are really getting that much hard to be accessible to we'll also be recapping some recent plays from our gen con hall so as always stay tuned and buckle up
1: Matthew, I don't know about you, but for me, it's been kind of like a, like a sleepy week has has been like that way for you. I I am, uh, you know, I just transitioned to a new job, so I'm, I'm getting to do this thing, this new thing for me.
0: Well, when you say transition to a new job, what I really think you mean is you have more free time on your hands.
1: Well, yes. And what specifically I have this amazing new thing called weekends. Yeah. Fantastic. So you, you ready for this? You get off on Friday
0: or sometimes on Thursday, or in your
1: case, Thursday, which is great. And then you don't have to work again until Monday.
0: It is a pretty revolutionary idea. Yeah. I did see an article where apparently Lowe's is looking at apparently adopting a four day work week type philosophy as well. It it is very refreshing for the mind because like Mondays, yeah, you have to get up and it's not fun getting up as early, but like mentally, Like it almost like Mondays go by so fast for me. Maybe other people are this way too that work through Friday, but Mondays go fast so fast because it's like I had a long enough weekend that like I'm just kind of getting back into the swing of things and it feels fresh and frustrating.
1: Pro tip if you are, if you're dreading your Mondays, switch your board game night to Mondays because that's what we do and now we all just look forward to Mondays it's sort of like yeah. a little bit of an extended weekend type of
0: that sometimes it can make it a little for a long exhausting day though like if you, if your Monday's your really Monday, rough yeah, yeah. yeah but but the thing about your new job though is we mentioned before is now kind of an online you're you're, you're making calls and all this kind of stuff for logistics mm-hmm. Uh but that also allows you, you know, we're in the middle of our work days and you're sending us pictures of your painting projects painting and your projects. and your Skyrim plays and <laughs> yeah. watching your YouTube videos and stuff. And it's like, it's a pretty, yeah. pretty sweet gig.
1: Yeah. Speaking of, so, yeah. So I do, I fortunately am working from home and I have to be like mostly available throughout the day, but I don't have to like be like constantly. Yeah. Like you can be at, you, on, at you your know, desk, stuff.
0: but. You have your painting stuff yep. set up there. You have YouTube open, but exactly. you're but you're ready to go at a minutes or just a minutes notice yeah, and yeah. switch back into. So
1: I try I with all of this free time on my hands, I tried to take a whack at your 3D printer, which I I'm not gonna lie, I was like, all right, Matthew's a goofball. He doesn't know how to use this technology. Let me figure this stuff out. No, no, no. I and told so you. So Matthew came and dropped his. Uh, all of his 3D printing equipment off in my house. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to, and I was like, so thinking, confident. I, know, I was like, I cannot wait to print something off and like send him a 3D uh, Thingamajig like right off the bat. And no, the 3D printer conquered me too. We're thinking at this point, that it has a malfunction to it because, like, you go online and you're you look at all these tutorials and you, and they talk about like why your prints fail and you have these like monstrosities that have printed. We can't even get to that far. Nothing right? is adhering to Nothing, the plate. Yeah. <laughs> so and if you're our, out there and you got the 3D printing down pat.
0: This how, is resin, resin yeah. printing and stuff. And so our what we believe it is that the screen, um, the is, brightness isn't getting anywhere near it near high enough to be able to harden the resin to do your burn in layers on the plate and then yeah. you start doing your, your and extra layers.
1: The tricky thing here is that there's if you know anything about 3D printers, I'll go over this really quick. But you basically to start off, you do like this like test print. It's like a test to show the proper like exposure on the mm-hmm. screen, I guess. And the it's supposed to show a certain image on the screen. It does when we do the test, it does not show that image. So it's like a like warped kind of flickering version of it and so yeah i don't know what to do so
0: the one or two outcomes is going to happen when we call any cubic it's either going to be something we can send in going to have to pay something to get it replaced or it's just as 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 it was it Kanye who said "dead and gone"? Dead and gone. Dead and gone. But it also kind of there. I, I even
1: reached out to the Reddit community uh, for three <laughs> printers and was like, "Help me!" And I got one comment that
0: said, "She's a brick. <laughs> <laughs> she gone.
1: <laughs> She's a gone." When I when I yeah. saw the video, but it kind
0: of makes me feel. You know, we've kind of it's kind of made me feel like we've gone through a trial of parenthood yeah. and what it feels like to have so much hope and expectation for something that you're responsible for, but yet it just and an it utter fails disa- you, utter yeah. disappointment, uh-huh. and yeah. No childhood trauma here. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that's we've been working on those projects, but uh, we finally are getting back into the swing of getting games played and getting what we love is new games to the table, Mm -hmm. um, finding new gems, and uh, we have some recent ones that we've gone through. We've posted up on the Discord our haul from Gen Con. Um, I think I think I alone I think I had twenty new titles and stuff that I I got. John picked up a couple stuff. I'm really excited. John and I played two-player of Turing Machine, um, but I'm really looking forward to playing that more um, mm. with a higher player so count. it was, is okay. I don't know. Did we talk? We haven't talked about this yet, have we? Not in great detail, and we just played it once. Um, but it it really it, it it's so how the,
1: how similar is it to DeCrypto?
0: It, the only similarity to what I was about to say to DeCrypto is that it's almost impossible to explain it to you until you actually play, play the again. first round. That's it's like, similar that's a good to what DeCrypto, yep. but the whole concept. Is that it? Almost kind of gave me uh, cryptid vibes. Um, um, when you're playing a basic game, at least at our two-player, there were four. There are four conditions, um, and you're trying to get a a three-number pattern right. Um, there's 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 numbers ranging from one to five, and you're trying to get the three numbers in a correct order. Okay. Um, and there's four conditions, and the conditions all relate to how the numbers relate to one another repeating and patterns in the, in the sequence. Is it like
1: cryptid and that it's like sort of computer generated Well, not as that. It's like, you know,
0: it's, it's, you know, when cryptid says, you know, something is can be within this many of something else or not within this. It kind of gave me some vibes of that. Um, But it has this really cool mechanism to where you, when you line up your numbers uh, they're like a, a, like a square. And they all have different punches, uh, little squares punched out in them, kind of like an old-school computer. Computer card, yeah. yeah. computer card. And when, But when you line them up, there will only be three matching holes that you can visibly see through Yeah. when you line those numbers up. And then you match the clue card to that and see if checks or Xs come through that to see if your numbers... So it's a little relate. bit
1: of a. Is it like is it made out of plastic or is it made out of like cardboard?
0: No, it's mainly but cardboard and cards and stuff that okay. you're using. But it's like when you overlay the numbers, they create a, a specific sequence of openings. Okay, so you, it tells you whether or not you're wrong. Yeah, but the thing is, each can each kind of clue. Um, has like three different tiers of conditions. It's it's very again it's hard to explain. So as a versus w- actually getting in and was playing the it. the puzzle
1: harder or easier to solve than Cryptid? You think? Or maybe
0: about the same. Well, it plays quicker than Cryptid. But it, the thing is it's prob the thing is you're not relying on other people for your information. You're so you play this, you can either play this individually or as a team. And it's a who can who can dissolve it fastest. Okay, does
1: it solve this does it solve this one thing with cryptid? One I love the game, but one thing that was continually frustrating me is when people would mess up the hints. So No, no,
0: no. this this is not relying on any other play if you're playing like four or five of us individually. Because okay. the clues and all that state is in the middle of the board and on each round of the game you get three checks. So there's like four or five clues and you can only check based on your number combination, three of them. Um, and so you choose which ones you want to check individually. And, I have and so almost none of,
1: broken my mind trying to figure out a cryptid game where like someone has messed up a clue. And so I'm yes? like racking my brain and, trying to figure out And you out call them is. out and
0: it's like, you have to have been wrong. And they're like, no, I'm not. And yes. I was like, I was like <laughs> I'm like, trying no, not I to. I promise
1: s- you I'm not wrong. And I'm like, this is, and I'm like, okay. Like rechecking, checking, checking, checking. checking. And then finally we get to the end. And they're like, see? And I'm like, no, this spot, this cube, what is this? And they're like, oh, sorry. I'm like,
0: Yeah. And so the clues make me think of the same. You kind of have to think the same way. But you're doing your own thing and just seeing if you can do it faster or sooner than other people. Um, And I'm assuming, I don't know all the different roles for team play, but there is team play in there as well okay um for it but i'm excited to see how that does at higher player counts um but we recently got in um now fjords. this is fjords, we fjords fjords in now at first i thought this was going to be similar to a blue lagoon um type game or land air um i think Aaron C is just what it's called as a tile laying game uh, but essentially in fjords there's two phases of the game similar to uh blue lagoon there's the exploration phase and then there is um kind of the settlement phase and the exploration phase you're laying down these landscape tiles these kind of nordic landscape tiles you know it has ocean it has the ocean waterway it has the plains and it has the mountains and you have to line them up to where they're matching and at first when we started doing this i was like kind of what's the purpose like what's why am i laying these out in a certain way but the trick is you have four kind of uh like settlement little wooden meep little houses that you set on the board on a tile huts Huts, and these huts are going to be where you can branch out can branch out when you place your people in the kind of the settlement phase of it and it really um, turns into more of a game kind of like snake or something like that to where you are setting yourself up in a way that you can cut people off from different areas of land so that you can claim it and because the way you win is you get points f- every one of your people that you're able to place on the board and you know you take turns placing similar to like blue lagoon but each one of those gonna be worth a point um but the thing is they have to they have to they can't like cross over mountains so they have to make or water so they have to make it through the green pastures but you can position yourself to cut people off so it limits how much they can put out and kind of you can put out more of your own yeah and um, so
1: you you glossed right over one of the main uh, draws to this game, and that was the the runes that come in the, I guess, the, the Kickstarter deluxe copy. They are majestic.
0: They're like pebbles yeah. from the stream.
1: Looks like they just yoinked them right out of a fjord. Yeah, It was amazing. And uh, and
0: certain tiles have these kind of runic runes on them, and they kind of give special bonuses or abilities to people placed near them. Yeah. Um, the only thing, and we, we did only play two players, but
1: I feel like the the part of the game where you're like setting up the board you're like drawing tiles that took a while in fact like some of the tiles like the placements can be quite tricky so you're kind of staring at the board for a while and then i feel like the actual placing the vikings part took like like uh, two minutes yeah because this is definitely a game at that w- point it was almost like a foregone conclusion yeah. because of the way you set the game up before this is
0: definitely a game where a majority of the game plan strategy is in the preparation mm-hmm. where you're placing the huts where you're moving your huts to and then the last execution part is just okay did my strategy pay off yeah yeah. at the end and i'm curious to see how this would play at three or four players uh because in, in a lot of in a games where you know you play it two player it can seemed a little bit more deterministic because mm-hmm. once we kind of got to the end of the, the kind of exploration phase and we kind of looked at the board, we had a pretty good idea, you know, that I was going to win. Yeah, yeah, based,
1: just based on, like, purely off of, like, okay, but well, you cut me off here, you cut me off here. Yeah. And so, yeah.
0: But in a three or four player game, you know, you, you're not as sure the what other be, people are going to be it, doing. The board would
1: be bigger for one, which I think would help. yeah. And I think
0: that would lead more into the Blue Lagoon where you try to start linking up your connections to then, because in Blue Lagoon, you're trying to cut people off at some yeah. degree. Yeah, yeah. And so there is some of that. And so I thought that was interesting. But one uh, game we also got played, and this is when we looked at it, that the art is very kind of like Nostalgic fantasy kind yeah, of map looking, a little old school. Yeah, but the the name of this game, and we made the joke <laughs> that it, it's literally they just found. Let's find some like key trigger words for Euro yeah. players, put it into a generator, and let's just come out See with the name. And, so so what's, th- and
1: and I literally cannot think of it off the top of my head. I have to look at the cover.
0: And I, when I was telling you, hey, let's play this game. I named it three or four times, <laughs> and I got all the words <laughs> yeah. mixed up. And so, it this is, is from AEG. It is uh, the, the Guild,
1: Guild of. The Guild of Merchants, Merchant Ex- Explorers, Merchant Explorers. The
0: Guild of Merchant, Explorers. and I call this the Guild <laughs> of Exploring Merchants, the Merchant Exploring Guild, the yeah. Guild of Exploring. You have got to get those three words in there somewhere. Yeah, and but this is like the most kind of generic, name. uninspiring yeah. type name that is, yeah, which is mouthful. Sad. But it's it's very very interesting. Um, this is the new release from AG, and it kind of mixes. This is definitely multiplayer solitaire, right? Yeah. Uh, but it kind of makes it... Yeah, it's like one of
1: those games, like kind of like the other roll and right, flip and right things, where it's like the the only thing limiting the player count here
0: is... Components. Components. Like you could buy five sets of this game and, and have be on all play at the same time. And it play the same amount of time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which I definitely think those have places, but like you had mentioned earlier um, when we were playing this, that I too haven't found very many of these Roll and right, flip and right games that have mm-hmm. really inspired me. There have been some that are really interesting. Uh that What's the in-
1: one that you really like, the like, I well, I like Gon- I like
0: Gonstrang Clever. I like um Adrian Hadrian's Wall. I played at least I have played it once. I can't remember if I played a second time. That is uh, the, the fishing that, one. That is heavy. Um that David introduced
1: us to Oh, come on.
0: You love that game. I know. And now
1: that you mentioned, it, I can't think of it. I just recently. <laughs> hey, well, we, so we played that one. That one was kind of like meh for me. And then we played cartographers and cartographers. I'm just kind of like, uh, I don't know. Like this is just kind of, it just feels very gimmicky. I don't know. Um, but this one is a flip and write. So you have like a small little deck of cards and that have actions on them and you flip them out. So you kind of, you know what actions are basically going to be done for the round, but you don't know in what order they're going to be uh, triggered. Um, and so, and then the other really neat thing about this is you, um, at the beginning of each round, you're both, or everyone is dealt, um, two sort of like personal action cards. And um, so you you place those down beside your board, and then there's a generic like one and so whenever that one is flipped out, everyone gets to trigger their, instead of like the generic ones, they get to trigger their personal uh, sort of action card. Um, and so then you, and you get one of those at the beginning of each round. So you kind of really get to customize uh, later on how, how your actions work. And I thought that was really neat. That was something that I've never really seen before. It was almost like a kind of reminded me like a little bit of like a, a a shared deck builder in a way. Yeah, it's, it's fleet the dice game. Yeah, fleet the dice uh, yeah, game. And,
0: yeah. So I think what makes this really different than um, a lot of these other flipping right and, and rolling and right is that um, you know because there, there are five core uh, cards that determine what type of lands that you can spread out on, mm-hmm. um, and you know what those are going to be. You just don't know what order those come out. And then every new card is like these unique cards like you mentioned that you get to have. But I do like it has, again, we mentioned like Blue Lagoon, it has this mechanic that uh, every round you clear out everything you had done in the game, all your explorer cubes. Except for
1: like a a few key huts, actually, which is kind of funny. Yeah, like fjords and this one. They're
0: like little villages, and you have to do certain things to put out the villages. But these villages are now new starting points where you can spread out from. And so strategically building those out you know there one rolling rider that i'd like to try is the dinosaur island one i've heard good uh, is that the roaring right yeah i'd like to try that one out i've heard i've heard good things from that one but there's there's all kinds of those you know tiny towns is one also have you played still haven't played tiny towns i've heard it's pretty good david used to have it but i don't know yeah, it's if a lot more had tactile. If we have not
1: played it, then it probably tells me that it's not as good. as Yeah, yeah. So there's a, there's a
0: lot of those those games on you own on tour. Right, I that's a flip. Do, that's flipping yeah. right, or it's a no. It's a rolling ride. It's a with the roll no, dice, and you're trying to connect up your links and your routes. Yeah, um,
1: that is a hard game. My goodness,
0: it is, and it, you just kind of feel sometimes at the end
1: the, it's just like falling apart. And you're yeah. like there's nothing you need about it.
0: And, that, and that's what I was saying. Like some of those and those games that you just kind of feel kind of just stuck by what randomly can come out where yeah. I feel like this one you didn't have you had perfect knowledge of what was in there you just didn't know the mm. order but you knew like okay I know this card will come out and there's yeah. only one of those card and what so we kind of explain the
1: mechanism of how you spread out but what you're doing is you start in the center of the board you have this lovely little kind of like hand-painted map um, and you're trying to do things like co- collect treasure on the map um, connect cities on the map you're trying to get to these like beacon things in the four corners of the map and so you're trying to spread out and you can't really do all of those things like super well um but yeah so you're trying to you're using these actions to try to spread spread out and kind of do your Mm -hmm. thing
0: yeah and i thought it was it was an interesting puzzle that you just felt you had more control to strategize Mm -hmm. like you could still you know it, things may not work out as well if the order doesn't come out the way you're yeah, hoping yeah. it does. But yeah, you're kind of hedging your bets on... on yeah,
1: you are kind of hedging your bets, and you're like, all right, come on, I need I need this one to come out before this one. And and then, you know, it's kind of like, oh, no, or you kind of celebrate a little bit if you get it.
0: Yeah, and so, and, and the copy I picked up is like, it was actually like 10 or 15 um, bucks cheaper because it had been played in some playtesting or some tournament or stuff they had done. And so it was mm-hmm. like one of the last days and they were just selling a lot of open copies. So I was like, hey, I'll take it. I was like, is anything missing? He said, nope. I like, no. Okay, I trust except you. We,
1: we almost threw away some because they they punched out almost everything except for like a few little components. And so we just kind of assumed that they punched out everything. And I started throwing all of the uh, uh, punch boards away. And then we realized I like re- I had something stuck to my finger as I was coming back to the table. It was a little like crystal thing. And I was like, oh, wait. Should, and I like went back and grabbed the punch board, and sure enough, there's a bunch of crystals on there that we should have punched out. Whoops.
0: Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another game that we, we've we gotten in as well. Um, this game came out, I think, in 20... Um, what was it? I think it was 20, 2018. Uh, it was originally done by uh, Tasty Minstrel Games, but it was later taken over by uh, Renegade Games, and then they did a deluxe uh, edition copy, and it's really beautiful um, production they did on it, and that's Crusaders that will be done. Now, I've seen the artwork of this a lot over the past several years and mentioned, but I never looked too much into it. Um, but I saw it out on display, and some people were playing it there at Gen Con. It looked really interesting, but... Um, and so I decided to pick it up, and I, I after I played it, I mench- immediately messaged you, and I was like, "Brady, I think this is going to be a game you love, or at least have a good chance of loving, mm-hmm. because it kind of fits." I mean, it's, you
1: compared it's, it to Royals, which is like well, one of my I, I underrated
0: to, games. I compared it to Royals in that kind of classic game. Like it's it's perfectly a midway. It's like a two point four three out of five, so it's a perfectly midweight game. Okay. and there are just two actions you can do in the game um and so it's a, it's a do you
1: do them at the same time or is no it there's you a, have two split? you oh have two gosh. you
0: have two actions you can do you choose one action but you only do one action on your turn and that's it gotcha um and so it falls into that category of games we talked about for where the mechanics are very clean simple the mechanics take a, a back seat like they're interesting but you don't have to constantly be reminding yourself and thinking about how the mechanic yeah, yeah. works it's, it's just it's there it's interesting but it's not getting in the way And then it allows you for some interesting strategy on how you interact on the board. And so the basic premise of this game is that we're all different orders of knights. Um, The Knights Templar and all these different orders of knights. And we're trying to spread out the most influence for our order in Eastern Europe. And the main mechanic in this game is a Moncala uh, mechanic. And I was kind of thinking, you know, I don't, maybe Five Tribes is is the other game we have in our collection. We don't have a lot of these games. For those Um, who might not... But it's Bring a to
1: mind what Moncala is, what remind us what that is. Yeah,
0: it's a mechanic to where at some point, a part of the action, you'll pick up resources or action point or, or tokens, and then you'll move them usually around in a clockwise order. So an example in this is that um, you have a hexagon action will, and there are six different actions in your will, and each action has two kind of cubes, kind of tokens on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the token, the amount of tokens on each action depict how strong that action is and whenever you take the action you pick up all the cubes on there and then in clockwise order you drop one off at the next ones and so thus making that action you just took weak to where you can't even take the action because there's no cubes on it and then thus making the other actions that you drop the cubes off on more more powerful and so it's all about this kind of like comboing up i'm going to do this action here then this one and this one to efficiently rotate my action cubes around my action wheel so that the actions that I want to take are powerful enough. Gotcha. Um, and then you have kind of your player board. It's very nice. It's recessed. Beautiful artwork and illustration thick on it. Cardboard cardboard. Yeah, thick cardboard. <laughs> um, and you have these buildings um, and you... One of the things you're doing on the map is you're removing enemy pieces. Uh, these enemy pieces. are very Euro. Like, you're not actually doing combat. You have to have a strong enough crusade action to remove the enemy. But every time someone removes an enemy they get stronger. And Mm -hmm. so it's like the more you interact with it, the stronger they are. But also you get more victory points from interacting with them. But to build out on these different hexes, you have to remove the enemy first and then build different buildings. But these buildings give you these kind of passive ongoing benefits, uh, such as making your travel stronger or making your crusade action stronger or making your build action stronger, which means that uh, you don't have to have as many action cubes on that action before you take it uh, when you build out the different houses. So it has a little bit of a... Kind of, I guess you kind of a tableau a little bit. You can decide which buffs you want, uh, and you're strategically moving around the board. And you have little knights, and you can gain more knights, and you're spreading on the board and conquering these. It's, I mean, it's very it's a Euro game, but it has more of a thematic type theme. I mean, I wouldn't call this a super thematic game. I couldn't explain the actions based on the knights theming, but it's still an interesting theme for it. But I think I think it's it's really it plays quick. We played a three player game of it, teach and play in sixty minutes um and so i think yeah, it's, it's definitely one, one people I, should take a look at
1: that i hadn't gotten a chance to play i think you played at the the game night the other night and i'm excited for it yep
0: and like i said very clean simple mechanics uh but then it leaves action spaces and a lot of almost everything you're doing in the game will give you some type of influence points um for what you do it's just a matter of how efficient i mean this is like a euro it's it's all about efficiency for it, yeah. and so we're, those are three games we've gotten in recently, and we've we've enjoyed them.
1: Speaking of games that we ha- we've gotten in recently, one game that we haven't gotten in recently is Oathsworn. We're still waiting on it, Brady. I think there is a at this point. I
0: think there's a great conspiracy. I unlike never seen before.
1: I don't know, but I like. I'm looking on the Facebook group, and everyone, it's just uh, everyone's like, oh yeah. I... D- my mind is getting blown by, you know, scenario four or whatever. You can't wait to get a scenario four. And then I'm sitting over here
0: like, cool. Could you imagine if there is actually another Brady Robertson out there somewhere who has never played a board game? And all of a sudden There's he goes no outside and, Brady Robertson out there. and he opens his door and he sees this three-foot 50 pound box sitting in front of me. it's like what's this
1: well i've doubled and tripled and quadrupled checked that i put the right
0: shipping address on there
1: and i haven't got but that it, doesn't mean they, they're but
0: that doesn't mean there may be an error on their part yeah
1: uh it's i'm yeah
0: they said it but they every, said don't contact them though yeah i
1: know and that's the thing is like i i, I want to contact them so bad but they so they said they said everyone in the U.S. should have it by the end of the month, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna okay. panic.
0: You still have two, three until weeks until
1: that happens, and then at that point, I'm gonna be raising some cane if I don't have it by the end of the month, because I'm, because I'm like, you sold copies of Gen Pre-or- Con pre
0: or, or orders, pre-orders of Gen Con. I better, yeah, I better be shooting but, up another. Uh, but the line. tricky part, let's just say something did happen to your copy books. warrant. how are they just gonna replace that? I mean, I guess maybe they just had extras made. When they did I, it, but like, what if they don't have your exact pledge level and just extra quantities sitting around?
1: I don't know. I hope we don't have to find out. <laughs> yeah. But and, yeah, and you're right. That so it is like a super, um, deluxified game, and I think so. That's a good transition into our main topic, and we're nothing. Um, Super structured here, but I came across this week on Reddit. Interesting Reddit is post. Sort of, yeah, Reddit. It's kind of one. Of, it's kind of my go-to, um, like social medias, if you ever want to call it that. I just like Reddit a little bit better. But Reddit is just such a wild, wild west. It is a wild, wild west. But so I board game subreddit on there. There were two posts back to back that were just kind of talking about like the overproduction and like accessibility of games. So one of them specifically talked about foundations of Rome. And the other one was just talking about like overproduced games. Um, Let's see if I can like credit. You want to read his post? Uh, I'll just skim through it. This, this is snow crash zero, 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 a pioneer Uh, in the
0: Reddit Reddit forum.
1: So he says, I may be a little late to the party here, but I'm starting to get a little tired of games that could be available for $30 to $50, costing $100 to $150 because they are super overproduced. He says, I'm not sure if I'm in the minority here, but I don't need huge, super detailed wash miniatures, glass tokens to enjoy a game. Cardboard stuff is absolutely fine with me. And so he goes on a little bit, um, and then the other person talks about Foundations of Rome. They say Foundations of Rome is an awesome game but I wish it was more accessible, specifically cheaper. Um, and so that's just kind of what I want to talk about. Like, is this an issue? Are we getting to a point where board games are just for the privileged and and wealthy and all the peasants? Yeah. In the state so, of the
0: so I don't think that anyone is complaining about. Wow, my board game looks too nice. I want to play with sticks and rocks, right? I don't think that's the issue as much as, like you mentioned, the accessibility um, part of it. And I do think it is um, an issue that does kind of lend itself to people being hesitant to try out new games, um, try out uh, games that are on Kickstarter um, because, you know, I was on – game found um we have what we have three we have backerkit now we have game found and now we have kickstarter so we have three different platforms and i
1: think that lends itself to the conversation uh you know just by itself that we have three separate completely separate uh websites almost solely
0: dedicated to
1: producing
0: overproduced board games um but but an example that i just saw the other day i was just like man i can't Fathom why this game costs as much. It's a new game. It's on GameFound right now by Martin Wallace. It's called Bloodstones. Um, you know Martin Wallace has done a lot of a lot of games that we really enjoy. Uh, but this looks kind of like a Airy Control Army movement. But the game and the components look very very basic and simple. Simple artwork, simple tokens and components. Yeah, like but wooden do you want to take a, But do you want to take a guess? I know, you know, the listeners can't see here, but Brady's looking at him, showing him just kind of the very basic components of the game. Do you want to take a guess on how much this game is? I'm going to guess... like get...
1: Just based off of kind of that one picture of the board and everything, I'm going to say
0: $79. $150.
1: Yeah, that's more than I thought.
0: Yeah. Um. And so, like I said, it's not a matter of, like, the components... Uh, Like I picked up Perseverance uh, Castaway Chronicles um, episode one and two Um, like that. It was like a 50 pound game, but like that was over 200 bucks. Um, There's a lot of components, but even these simple, more basic games um, tend to be a lot more expensive. Even uh, the new uh, the reprint for was it raw Uh, the game. I think Jacob picked that up like it's a very basic kind of auction from our memory kind of game by Rainer Knizia, mm-hmm. Uh game. But like they were doing just a copy of it, crazy deluxe edition, which didn't even look that ridiculous, but it still, it was like eight, 90 bucks or something like that. And yeah. so the question is what either one, um, are publishers taking, I wouldn't say advantage, but you know, if there's demand, if people are willing to pay, why would you not charge more?
1: Yeah, right. and that's my thing. And what and then, here's the greatest tragedy right here is when a game like Raw comes out and, and I so a game like Raw comes out and uh, or and they don't do enough copies and then it goes on the second hand market. So a game that would normally cost like thirty or forty dollars goes sells for like, you know, a hundred, a hundred and fifty dollars, but it's not deluxified. And what um, it's frustrating for me right now. I, you know, I'm trying to get into the 18 XX game literally, and I'm looking at 1830 and you know how 1830 looks. It looks like hot garbage, like mildly better than um, food chain magnate. Mm-hmm. And it's going for, um, for $200 on eBay, $200, which is yeah. crazy. Um, and so I think we can all agree that like a, a, and a, a bad look or a, a great looking game that costs a lot of money is one thing, but a, a horrible looking game that costs a lot of money is like a totally different thing.
0: Yeah. Um, and so the question is is that limiting people from getting into the hobby? Um, even, you know, when people who do spend a lot of money going to conventions and stuff, they're still not necessarily spending uh, a lot of money on some of these games. Like I, I couldn't, I lost track of how many times were people. I would just I actually hear them looking at games and there's like well we've already we already hit our budget or yeah, I, yeah. I can't get this game because I want to get this game and so um, at what kind of point is there because there's always kind of um I don't I don't think sunk cost fallacy is the right term to use but you in calculus and classes there's always kind of the the um, logarithms to where there is. at uh, what point do you have diminishing returns between kind of cost and output, right? Mm-hmm. Like how many of these units can we continue to sell at the most as we continue? And so you kind of see as the prices continue to rise, they will continue to increase, but there will be a point to where it kind of will hit its peak yeah. and then flatten out and And I do go think down. we
1: are hitting that breaking point, like seeing games like um, like Anunnaki uh, hitting their their goal, but then deciding that wasn't good enough. Like, you know, maybe with that game, they were expecting like, Oh, we're just going to throw a bunch of minis and crazy overproduced stuff. And it'll sell because everything, you know, like that sells. So maybe we are getting with gamers to that point where they're like, okay, like enough is enough. We, we get like, we want it to be, we want it to look good, but it does not need to look like this. And it doesn't need to cost, you know, this much.
0: Um, yeah, but even even classic games, because um, I know we've done topics before where we looked at like comparing Walmart, Barnes and Noble, Target, um, but even a game as simple as Ticket to Ride is still selling for almost fifty bucks. Yeah, and and, uh, and that at, is at not a t- Target. And and I don't know if for,
1: you have had this experience, but like so, like a lot of times, non gamers, I will we will play a game, uh, a normal game like Ticket to something like Ticket to Ride, and I, they'll be like, "Oh man, this is amazing!" And so they'll. Look on Amazon or something, and they're like, ooh, this is $50 for a board game. And I don't quite know what they expect it to be. Like, if they expect, like, you know, those, like, classic Monopoly sets that are, like, $20. Um, but, yeah, like, especially for non-gamers, going over $50 is, like, they're like, oh, yeah. that That's... I'm not like I got a lot of other things things to spend money on, than a fifty dollar board game.
0: Yeah, so. and like you know, even people going out to movies or or for dinner, because I guess for a lot of people who are you know not in the hobby, like and that's kind of the thing is like it's very it's very interesting with this hobby versus versus other hobbies because like your hobby may be into I don't know, you know working on cars or stuff like that, but there's there's hobbies to where you're not constantly fueled by Obtaining more, and it's very interesting that, and some some hobbies there mm-hmm. are. I'd say that's few and far between. We're getting to a point where like there's so much
1: exposure on YouTube and Instagram and stuff that like I feel like all hobbies are getting significantly more expensive. Like you, because you you see people on Instagram with their gadgets and their things, and you just are like, oh, I've got to get if I'm gonna take myself seriously in this hobby, I've got to get to that level.
0: Yeah. Um, but that's what I'm saying like the, I've, in board gaming, I feel like it's it's constantly driven by you know part of the enjoyment of the hobby is getting new games and experiencing new games. Yeah. so that's one thing that can limit someone's enjoyment of the hobby just for someone who's already into board gaming. But if someone isn't into board in, into playing board games and not as familiar with it and you know they don't understand the maybe the actual value in a board game, which that that's to you know to look at is you know how many times am I going to play this? How many hours is it going to be played? You know, yeah, there's yeah, some yeah. games that, per an hour p- played basis, they're a very good deal. Mm-hmm. But for people who aren't into the board gaming space, you know, when they look at a fifty dollar ticket the ride, they're like, that. I mean, we could go out to eat and to pay for dinner for for my family instead of something mm-hmm. like that. But if you play that like, I don't know, ten times, that's
1: like you know, ten to fifteen hours of. entertainment divided by four,
0: five people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so when you start thinking it like that, you know, if, if you're just owning a a couple core games, it's not as bad, but still getting to that point, you know, most people are probably seeing that price tag and, and just walking by without even realizing, you know, I can get my value out of, out out of this because a lot, so much in board gaming is you can watch reviews and you can listen to what people, people say about it, but so much of it comes down to, I really going to have to buy it to know. Like yeah. I feel like I got a pretty good yeah. idea on watching games and seeing if that's something I like, but really at the end of the day, you got to have to put your hands on it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, even when you go to a local board game store where there's still not that many of them, sometimes it'll have some games you can try out, but most of the time they're not just like, Hey, yeah, pull out the game, learn it, punch out the, the, the tokens and, and, and everything, and then try it out and then tell me if you want to buy it. You know, that's just not, not how it works. Whereas, you know, you yeah, go into yeah. Barnes and Noble and you can pick up a book and you could read a you know 10, yeah, 10 yeah. 15 pages real quick and see if it's something you like you actually have to make a financial investment it cost before you even know if it's worth anything it's if, like when you buy those if like,
1: anybody knows this the hard way it was, it's david our boy who is the trade master over there with what did he have Etherfields?
0: <laughs> yeah but you can see at <laughs> conventions like there were people literally selling kind of quote-unquote loot boxes of board games they had, they had literally cardboard boxes that said yeah you know, mystery things it, it, mystery boxes of games MSRP value of one hundred fifty dollars we're selling it for sixty yeah and yeah, I'm yeah. always like stay away from that yeah um, okay
1: and so that's a good point so let's let's unpack that for a second so my new philosophy that I've had about for about, about the past one to two years is that if a and this sounds extremely pretentious of me and I'll I'll back this up but if a game is worth playing for, let's say, $40, it's worth playing for $150. And so where I'm coming from is, let's say I am thinking about the games that I'm buying over this next year. I would rather buy, like, two to three amazing, like, crazy overproduced games... And I think,
0: real quick, before... like, 15 games. ...where you're coming from. These are, these are like... Top. We're talking about Castles of Burgundy. So You're like talking about like top 20 games potential for you. Because yeah, I yeah. think like this, like we we're talking about the Guild of Merchant Explorers, I'm willing to buy it and play that and own it at a 30, maybe to $40 price range, but there's no way I'd pay $100 for that, right? And so like yeah. th- that, this is, I mean, I think, you know, and there's different ways to look at it because I think there are some games, especially of a larger collection, not every game you own is a 10 out of 10. Uh, but there's some games that are still worth keeping around because they serve some kind of purpose or they fill your collection out but they're not breaking the bank cuz I couldn't justify spending $200 on Fjords that we just talked about yeah, and yeah. just sitting there. But and- I mean and to be fair
1: Fjords has a has a cheaper copy out there with not with the cardboard reins instead of the rock reins but you opted to buy the deluxe version. Well, it's the, copy, they, yeah, the only, it's the only copy. I think
0: there's the only copies they have been Maybe the only
1: copy that they have. But so I have ca- like the normal Castles of Burgundy. I think it might even be the second edition, quote unquote. Um, and that is not a cheap game. I think I paid or I, I think I got it for Christmas, but it, it costs around $50. It at minimum 50 bucks. But then Awaken Realms reprints it. And I'm like, I love this game. It To me, it is. it's probably top 20. This game is where, even though I already have a copy that I'm probably not going to be able to sell because this copy is coming out, I am willing to spend um, a hun- like, yeah, probably I, maybe. I guess with shipping, probably hundred and fifty dollars, because I know that I will play that game ten times more than I will play like just just an okay game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like I would rather. Buy one amazing game, than
0: ten. Okay, But you can justify that, right? Because it's you know it's a game you know you love. But what I guess the the issue with the with the guy on the Reddit was really making is what if that hundred fifty dollar version was the only version that they had, and you wanted to play the game, you yeah. wanted to try it out, but you don't know. I mean, some games literally takes three, four, five plays before it goes from like this is okay to like wow I love this. Yeah. And so so, like, so
1: here's a good example. So with Oathsworn, that was another one. Um, that I, and granted I had to, I had, I waited a long time for Oathsworn. So I, to me, I don't just kind of buy games willy nilly. So I, Oathsworn really did check a lot of boxes that I had been waiting for for a while. Um, and they had the, you know, crazy all in deal that was like close to $300 with shipping and the whole nine, but they also had a standee version. That costs, I think, like seventy dollars, and so okay. for me, um, you know, I I guess I can appreciate that they offer the standy version, but for me, like if yeah, if it is worth paying seventy dollars, it is worth paying the three. Like I, I I would either go all in or or nothing.
0: Like it, to well, me, well, I think the question is, what if you only had the seventy dollars?
1: Then I then I would like just pass on it. Like there are really? other games. Like I would rather. But I guess s- so I
0: guess that's the question that, that then they then ask: Does a standee versus a miniature change your actual opinion of the game? One hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. For me, for me it does. And so then we so we
1: talk about Foundations of Rome, and I can tell you this right now: Foundations of Rome is a it's a great game. If that game had cardboard tiles instead of those buildings which
0: very easily could have been a 30 40 game
1: could have been but literally you would have never heard about it that would be a trash game a
0: trash and like i well the thing is i think it's just an okay game yeah and, and so and, is it worth uh, is it worth the, thing, the cost the
1: i will i it like let's say let's say you take the production out of it i would agree with you like it is an okay game
0: like While you're doing that, that, way it looks beautiful. Yeah, and, yeah but, but the but.
1: the production is almost a part of the game when it comes to Foundations from. Like you cannot talk about the game without talking about the production. It like the way you literally and physically build out Rome is amazing, and that is one of the games that I spend a lot of money on, and i I treat it as I treat it as a treat to other people, especially because especially the foundations of Rome, it's, um, light enough that you can play it with, uh, like non gamers and family and that kind of thing. And so I, like when I bring it out, everybody is like, their eyes just get so big. It can be a little intimidating, but I'm like, I kind of calm down. I'm like, I, this isn't nearly as complicated as it looks. Uh, and then we play the game and it really, like I, it just fills me with joy to get to share that with them. And they're like, where can I buy this game? And I'm like, well, you can't really find it. Like, um, like it's almost exclusively on Kickstarter. You're going to pay way too much on eBay. Just play it with me. Like, that's fine. And I think what alleviates this and how I can get away with this a little bit more is be with like, you know, buying one or two big games a year. Is because I have you all to help fill in the gaps, and so See, if, this,
0: this is, and this is what I mentioned earlier. And so it's 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 easier to have a stance on this accessibility if when you're only buying two, three games, but but you have other people. It mm-hmm. was like, would you? Because let's just say, you know, nightmare situation. It was just you, you know, you, and then yeah, you yeah. ringing in your your some family members you could sucker in to play some board games with you. For some people, that's that's all they have, right? Mm-hmm. And so what would you value more? Because like I said, I mentioned earlier, like for me, part of the hobby is the experience of obtaining and trying out new games, not obtaining yeah. them because I want to spend money, but experiencing new things, right? And so with yeah. that philosophy, you would only own 10, 10, 15 games in your entire collection. Yeah. Like, so if your situation like that, would you start to then value for accessibility like, sake? Diversity diversifying having more games but at trying to look for games that are cheaper so when you see that hundred and fifteen dollar deck builder you're like you know you know for me to be able to enjoy games the way i want to i i just can't yeah access that I, I think that. i
1: would still i think i'm gonna i'm gonna claim that i would still adopt the strategy that i am doing now and yeah like with foundations of rome it it had just come out and i've probably got like 20 plays of that game because it it is so amazing and like there are just not many like games in my collection that I could say that I played 20 times honestly like um I like the uh like one example of like a a low produced game that I really enjoy and that I would play a lot more is Royals but again like it like when I bring that if I if I bring Foundations of Rome and Royals to just like non-gamers. I'm like, which one do you guys want to play? They like 90% of the time, they're going to be like, yeah, we're playing Foundations of Rome. Get that other trash out of here. Um, and that to me, that to me is worth the extra, probably hundred dollars that that costs. Cause you're just playing it more. I mean, like you said earlier, you're get like, you're getting the, the entertainment time to cost ratio down for more actually.
0: yeah because I was curious I was going to look here and see uh, I was trying to pull up from our previous top 50 top fifty list of games where you had ranked and like your production to like game like the games you had in like your top 10 versus to how much they actually cost I think you say that but like from knowing you I feel like the games in your top 15 or 20 are the you know lower produced more accessible games um, some examples you have uh oh. Don't scientific me everybody. Blue Lagoon, you have Liar's Dice, um, Concordia, I can't remember how much Concordia is, but then you have Watergate in here uh, that you really enjoy. Um, I have the Resistance. Blood Rage. Yeah, Wavelength in here, Deception Murder in Hong Kong, 4-Cell, Power Grid, Don't Mess with Cthulhu, um, Lost Rings of Arnott, but that's still not crazy expensive.
1: Yeah, I would say, I would put lost Runes of our as like higher end. Yeah. But um, you
0: like there's a lot of games like to crypto. And so like, there's a lot of games you enjoy diversity wise that, you know, yeah. aren't, you know, breaking the bank when you kind of look yeah, at I it. I
1: guess it let's, so let's say like a, someone who literally doesn't own a board game came to me and was like, I have $500 to, to spend on board games. What would I buy? I wouldn't be like buy foundations of Roan and Oathsworn. I would be like, hey, you know, let's try to build a, a foundational collection first. But I mm-hmm. I me and mo- like ninety percent of the people who are like listening to this podcast, people going to cons, that sort of stuff, all of those people have that foundational um like library of yeah. games. Like they probably everyone I would I would venture to say everyone who has gone to GenCon probably has at least twenty five board yeah. games, which is so, like
0: solid. So I guess you know, you know another way you could start looking at accessibility is are are we getting priced out of the market? I guess is, is what people can say is what they're really yeah. meaning because you do have you do have uh, publishers they do productions like uh, with Chip Theory Games and they um, they have Burn Cycle and Too Many Bones and 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 Cloudspire and. Uh, their new kind of Greek game. Then they those games are are just the two hundred dollars. That's just mm-hmm. what the game is, and that's all the game is. And there's nothing else. There's no cheaper versions of the games, to my knowledge. They're just like our games are just Apple. You know, you can get the Apple iPhone, and then that's and just a premium. Else, yeah. But uh, when you when you look at it, you know, certain games are. I guess you consider luxury. I guess any any board game can be considered luxury. Um, but yeah, there's the, a lot of it, what you call entry or kind of gateway games. You know, you can, you know, you can kind of relate them to the the Toyotas or the Honda Civics, you know, they're great uh games. They're games you get a lot of mileage out of and there's nothing wrong and there can be a lot of fun and enjoyable, but there do exist the Bentley's and the Lexus and yeah, all those well, kind of no, higher. I would end say so like games. I would
1: consider a Bentley like the like, I wouldn't say Foundations Rome is, is a Bentley. I would, if, if you compare... What? No, no, not even close. For
0: cost, I'm talking about cost, like production for just, like, wow. like. No, because,
1: like, those kinds of cars and whatnot are you, and, like, w- with a lot of these things, you are paying for that logo, and, like, that is pretty much it. Well,
0: I guess what I'm talking about, when I it's more than the logo, it's, like, these are expensive, they're luxury, they do fantastic, but, like, you don't drive them. Like, people who have these really super, like, nice sports cars, they have it, but they don't drive them very yeah, much. Yeah. And Same like, thing with I, these, like, super, like, high-end games um, that people get. Like, the the big example is... Uh, War of
1: the Ring? the Like, the deluxe copy of War of the Ring?
0: Yeah, deluxe copy of War of the Ring. I mean, how many times are you actually getting that played? Yeah, or yeah. there is... So um, I
1: would consider those, like, true luxury and board gamings, and I'll say I don't have those. Or, like, Four Foundations of Rome there was like a $1000 copy where you could get everything literally hand painted which i i can't even imagine how much time that took i wouldn't no, i would not do that so while while i would say if it's worth playing for 40 dollars it's worth playing for 150 i wouldn't say if it's worth playing for 40 it's worth playing for
0: it cuz they you know they sell and they were selling it there at the convention like full 3d copy of of Catan for 150 175 bucks or something like in that yeah. range. And then there's the games like notoriously like Kingdom Death Monster, like one of the highest like costs to actually how much you play in the game. Um how much does that cost by the way? Oh, but you could spend thousands cuz the thing is there's this this is one of those games similar to um Peterson's game, uh Cthulhu, Cthulhu Wars. It's like it's very their production of the game comes and goes, and there's certain limited stuff they put out, yeah, and yeah. these pieces and components, and there's super rare deluxe com- like pieces and some metal pieces for some of these miniatures, and it's like this is this is a, a game to where you could literally spend thousands of dollars, yeah, for getting like say, a full c- complete edition of so the game. So the, the thing that how much does, are you gonna play it?
1: Yeah, the thing that does like seriously irk me is the one publisher or whatever they are. Um that does like food chain magnet. So these splatter. retail splatter they retail. Hundred bucks right? or more for a ridiculous amount of money and they look like garbage. They really do. Production that, wise.
0: That bothers but me. So those are those are you're starting to get into like the esoteric, which there's I think food chain magnets is, is a great game. We need to get back to the table. Uh, but those are but you cannot tell me that like the thought
1: that went into that game like the design that went into that game costs more than the design that went into any other game you know what i'm saying like and so like that cannot be priced into the game where you, you look at foundations of rome and you instantly know why it costs 150 dollars you look at food chain magnet and you're like what is this prototype that costs 150 dollars um, yeah, so that really does bother me, and yeah. I would never buy uh, whatever that is, uh, food chain magnet. And I'm struggling, like I, and you know, you talk about uh, accessibility. Like I really, really, really want to play an 18XX game. I cannot justify paying $200 for a game that looks like 1830. Yeah. I can't do it. I like if the game looked amazing, I would. I would do it, but I, I, I just, I can't. So I will, so, you know, when you talk about, you know, like making sacrifices, uh, like hashtag first world problems right here. Um, I, I'm, I'm right now, I'm just saying I can't play 1830 unless somebody has it. I'm just not playing it, you know? Yeah.
0: Well, the thing is too, you can almost kind of boil it down. Does, do you have like, just for accessibility, you know, do you have to budget into your monthly budget whether or not you're picking up a pack of gum or picking up some chips at the store? No, probably not. But would you need to put a budget line in your budget for monthly board games expenses? Yeah, I would yeah. say, yeah, I would say and yeah. So I mean, I mean it, it is it you're is you're just like absolutely
1: rolling in it. Then, so but, I mean, it, like it is a costly. For the but I
0: think I think I think if you just asked me, is is board games impossible to get into? I would still say no because. You can We can reference back to like uh, the Dice Tower who does, you know, their people's top 100 games each year. Um, and, you know, in the top 20, we still have really affordable games. You know, we still have uh, The Crew. We still have Pandemic. We have Azul's. We have Seven Wonders. Uh, I know Ticket to Ride, you know, to 47, but still it's not horrible. You know, you yeah. still have Bays Castles, of Burgundy, Seven yeah. Wonders. The Duel. price
1: of board games is not keeping people out of board games. It's more of... More of probably a cultural thing.
0: I think really where people feel the hurt is on the FOMO. When you start getting these super, super high-end stuff in the all-in. Because it's like, it's hard to look at that all-in play mat, all the expansions and And stuff, and not want to... Going
1: to a couple of Gen Cons will help you get over FOMO. I remember, I think in 2015, there were just like... It's just so funny to look at... When I went to Gen Con, people are like, This is the greatest game ever. You got to get this game. Blah blah blah. I remember one of them was Black Angel, um, and everyone was losing their minds over Black Angel. I think that was was 2018 or 20. And I just remember going, This game just doesn't look that great. And now no one talks about that game. Yeah, it's
0: 2019. 2019 2019 was came out. Yeah, it came out at, I believe it came out at. I may be wrong. I may I thought I said S and it may be Gen Con, but I thought it was S and okay. when it came out, well,
1: I remember when that one came out, I was like, yeah, this is going to be one of those that everyone's really excited about. Cause it's just coming out,
0: but yeah, nobody
1: talks about this anymore.
0: And yeah. you, you, you kind can of pick up your, that perspective after you've been in the hobby for a while. You can pick up your own copy of black angel now for $40. There you go. on, know. The, on the it even comes market. as a miniature, I think. Yeah. For the, for the ship. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if I think our board games cheap, well, is going, taking your family forward to the movie cheap? Yeah. That's the thing. So I Not mean,
1: very many hobbies in today's world are cheap. No. And so I, I can't, I, like, unless I, you're re- I
0: seriously can't. I mean, unless you're talking about like rock collecting or using Audible, you know, Brady, listening to listening to your audiobooks, what is that, 10, 15 bucks a month?
1: Yeah. I don't know that I would call that a hobby. Well, that's people more like, like a
0: pastime. Well, some people like that. Their thing is like books and reading books. Um, but yeah. I, 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 think that if you're just wanting to get it into the high space, it's not the cheapest thing ever, but for the value that you can get out of it, uh, it's not inaccessible. Now, I do think the, the higher end, like the, the new hotness and the Kickstarters and stuff, those, I mean, those are getting uh, going up, but again, like I said, you know, they'll only keep going up if people will keep buying them. Yeah, right. And that and that's, sometimes that's we'll, life, right there in Dallas. Yeah, that's, <laughs> hold on tight, boys. Okay. It's going to be a wild ride. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we've seen. You mentioned like with the Anunnaki. Um, you know, people, starting to crack a little bit. Yeah, yeah. people are starting to like well, the value that we're getting out of this game. Why is why is the game priced mm-hmm. the way it is? And I think there were even like when back when um, when um, Dead Reckoning their first Kickstarter campaign, there was a lot of flack they got for the pricing, especially when. Um, they priced like their expansions, like their, their expansion, the cost of their expansions was so disproportionate to like what you would have gotten for just base game. It was like, cause the expansions, they're not like, I mean, they add more cards and stuff in the game, but like, I don't remember exactly, but I remember the issue was the cost of the expansion just didn't make sense. It was too high compared to the cost of the base game. But why they were so doing the base that?
1: Game costs like fifty dollars. The expansion costs like forty dollars or something.
0: It wasn't that exact number, but that concept. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Um And the theory was why they were doing that is because to force people to not just buy the expansions, but to buy the all-in yeah, at, at a quote-unquote a, deal. And so, yeah. And so maybe that's just uh, uh, a yeah. distasteful and, marketing you know, ploy. Funny but enough,
1: with you know, we're talking about <laughs> kind of like you know, ma- moving around money, making sacrifices with Oathsworn. There, I actually did not buy the all in. The all in came with a few other things. It came with like an art book that I had zero interest in having. That was like ridiculously expensive. And so I think with what I purchased, it was like maybe thirty dollars cheaper than the all in. But that's what I did. I was like, I don't need that. Like, when am I ever going to use that art book? Exactly. And so I. I think I added on a few other things. Yeah. Um, but we all know the yeah. truth,
0: Brady. After you spent the money on Osborn, you had to go on a forty-day fast to offset the cost. Yeah, um, yeah, but I like I said, I think yes, board games are along with the market inflation, shipping costs. They have noticeably gone up. Yeah, um, but- and but,
1: yeah, it, like ultimately, if you ask me, would you? <laughs> I think, it, and I ultimately, I think if you ask, like every gamer. Would you rather be playing board games today or in the 80s? And when we had paper money everywhere, like super cheap garbage, everyone would say, yeah, board games today are way better than they Yeah, were. and
0: the question can, you know, we don't dive in, but when does it get too much? I think a game like Ankh is a good example of when it gets too, too much. much. Ankh, is, Ankh is probably one of the most difficult games that we have to get out, set up, and put away. Yeah. And that that partially is on the storage system they have for the miniatures well, and, and all the different boxes that everything came in. But like, it is easier to get Gloomhaven, Stars of Vicarious, some of these campaign games set up and put away than mm-hmm. finding everything in that. And the thing in the, all those it expansions for it is Honk.
1: everyone is, everyone is griping at mine right now with some of their sh- like shady deals that they're doing. Shenanigans. But like, they're still raising hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. And so I'm like, money talks brother if you're like they're gonna keep doing what they're doing as long as they keep making money some people are just blind brady yeah it's like some people think some people think
0: leo harvey oswald killed kennedy by himself you know you can't help some people just don't know the truth (laughs) hey the grassy knoll the grassy knoll you know you know (laughs) (laughs) we're just messing um but yeah it, it there will come a point to where these some of these kickstarters will they'll the thing is they'll put and they will, I, mean, I don't I don't want any they any will of these, fall from grace I don't want them to fail because the thing is when you fail as a as in board gaming you you shut your doors it's not yeah, like yeah. well we we failed massively because they pay for all this art and these pre productions and stuff and some of some of them are literally well, supporting and
1: we had Etherfields so that was very overproduced but then ended up well the thing is they but
0: they but they sold though before that happened I'm talking about like games you know they put all this money into their Kickstarter, and the Kickstarter itself fails. D- fails. And okay. then yeah. they, they were banking on that to even keep their company afloat. And some companies, you know, when they go to Gen Con and, you know, selling fifteen twenty thousand dollars $20,000 worth of merchandise is what's keeping them afloat and keeping moving forward. So it's not like yeah. outside of Cephalofare Games and Stonemeyer Games. um, And I can't those feel are the two- bad... Because, like, I can't feel bad for or
1: when, when they charge money because people... Are not like getting rich designing and producing board games. Well, that's What I'm saying, really I'd say are the are two
0: not. two of the most profitable like quote unquote hobbyist publishers. Obviously, you have the Asthma days and all yeah. these. But I'm talking about like very niche specific uh, publishers. You have, I think. Fair Games and Stonemeyer Games are probably the most profitable. It's been th- four or five, e- four years since Gloomhaven came out. They sold out of all their inventory of base Gloomhaven at Gen Con four and a half, five years later. And like yeah, that's insane. That's they crazy. sold like a but year. But good two. for them. Like yeah, yeah but I'm saying, but I'm saying it. You can still be successful when you're doing it. And right. talk
1: about, like, like you know, board like Gloomhaven is an expensive game, but ratio to, 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 to play time, it's, you it's cannot find. Insane. Better value. And, and it
0: was, it was like a. Uh, over a year ago, when Wingspan hit its millionth copy sold, fifty just fifty million dollars they've made on Wingspan as of a year or two yeah. ago, and, and like, it's only gone up sm- since then. Like
1: that, like they are a small business, Stonemire. Yeah, they business.
0: probably they have they don't have any more than I think it's only five or six full time employees. Yeah. It's definitely less than ten. And
1: and like I yeah I d- like I don't get the same like greedy capitalist vibes that i get with somebody like you know like like why my iphone right here costs almost twelve, thirteen hundred 1300 like that that yeah. kills me and i'm like
0: but i think wing when you look at a game like wingspan wingspan is priced equal to that of ticket to ride or you may even be able to get Wingspan and slightly significantly cheaper
1: significantly better production
0: yeah let me pull up here real quick i don't, won't go long but i'm gonna pull up wingspan on amazon and i'm gonna compare it to that price on on um yeah, you can buy Wingspan right now, base game, for $39 on Amazon. And that's fantastic, like,
1: great value right
0: there. Yeah, ticket to ride, forty seven ninety nine. So I think the reason why oh, Wingspan is, crazy, is yeah, actually, yeah, like, the Wingspan has been so successful is because they, they have a 10 out of 10 production. Now, whether you like the game or not, that's, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But you can't deny it. it's a 10 out of 10 production quality at a... Uh, at a big box very, retail very store, very reasonable price. Like, there's not a single person that says this game is you is overpriced. Yeah, yeah, there's no logical person that would say that. And so you see that, and then you see Gloomhaven, which is it's it's yeah, it's more expensive, but in proportion to what you're getting in the game. Have like, you seen that box? It's huge. I don't think you could call Gloomhaven overpriced. No, and when,
1: it's got and it's got standees, and that was one of the things that I didn't like about it. And I would have yeah. paid but, more money to have.
0: But at the you know, time, you know, they fans, they, they but at the time it. that was like their. Yeah, this is uh, this is we. This, this is our a, make or break, and you can't. And like, still, I, don't I mean, think,
1: even with that, I, I would say Gloomhaven, very reasonably priced.
0: Yeah, because uh, Gloomhaven you can get you know around the one forty to one fifty, so it's yeah. it's the, it's three times the cost of Wingspan, three or four times the cost, but it is 12, you will 15 get times tired the content. Of it. Like
1: very few people have actually finished that game, yeah, including and us. We, and so you can look at
0: two of the most successful games and publishers are. Producing games that I don't think anyone could argue with, I'm getting priced out of this game. My yeah. content because what it gives me is is justified, and I think that's a thing that a lot of publishers could probably look at is like, what are we charging? You know how much Turing Machine cost? Uh,
1: yeah, I mean that's what is it? A ticket to ride size box?
0: No, it's like de, it's a de, it's it's decre it's it's a it's not as long as codenames, but a little wider. I mean it's oh, it's really? a it's was it cost like forty bucks? It's like $42. Yeah. It, for
1: I will like, say, I mean, that's maybe like, me just
0: because it was at Gen Con, it was first re- released. But I
1: mean, retail is,
0: is retail, board, paying retail prices hurts. So I'm rather. sure that, that that cost is going to come down. But right now, I, I had to pay more for a party game Turing machine than Wingspan. Yeah. That's crazy. And I mean, yeah, at, like the
1: world, everything is getting more expensive with like what has happened in the past few years. But yeah, we're going to. We're going to start having to make some sacrifices. You're not going to be able to get 10, 20 games a year. We're going to be getting like five games a year. At least I am. Um, but they're going to be great games. I haven't I haven't gotten to that point yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but anyways, t- we would love to hear in the Discord channel what you think. Have you gotten to the, the place now where, you, um, where you're where you like me, where you're like, I would rather have you know two to three games that are like amazing games that cost hundred fifty dollars, or would I rather have? And that, so with that said, I still buy the occasional, like, uh, like cheaper game. But usually, at this point now, only if I have tried it. Like, um, yeah, and I've kind of gotten that way in in general. But usually, like, I, I'm kind of only buying games now, like if I've had a chance to play them.
0: Yeah. Um, are there any speaking? So talking about this, are there any games on the horizon that you're looking at possibly picking up, or any new titles?
1: Uh, really, just the new Foundations of Rome expansion and all that. But, yeah.
0: I I want to get Dead Reckoning, but I'm still trying. I don't want to wait for the whole Kickstarter to to go yeah, through the process. Yeah. I want to see if I can still find a base copy somewhere for a reasonable price and then yeah, just get just the straight,
1: expansion. Uh, Cthulhu Wars, easy money right
0: there. I I don't. Uh, other than offering a an organ. I don't know what else I'd have to offer David. Um, <laughs> the one game uh I am looking at uh potentially, and maybe it's silly. It, it had the dice tower still of excellence. And so it must oh. be a reasonable game. And this is Dodo's riding dinos. Uh, this is base game and expansion is essentially think of a Mario Kart S kind of light, just fun. Just it's a, it's a, what you call, do you just want a light, silly experience? I think I did <laughs> similar to like camel up, right? This is yeah, a yeah. light, silly experience. Um, but you have more agency over. Does instead it of have camels. a
1: three D structure that's going to block line of sight? It doesn't have that. But Ugh. you essentially
0: have dinosaurs. You have these little dodo birds. And but it's like Mario Kart. Like you have powers. You have little mm. abilities. I know you like. You can d- do down stuff.
1: Force. You're a big downforce fan, when it,
0: You know. You, yeah. So I was looking at this game. Uh, it's kind of like a racing game. How much is it? It is for the print and they offer print and play. Uh, the expansion is thirty nine dollars. And if you want. The base game and expansion both it's eighty nine dollars. That's expensive. You, they that's you expensive. save thirty one dollars if you buy the combo. So it's like, you know, for two games that's you know forty four dollars a like, piece. That right there though, but it has miniatures in it, and so does have
1: miniatures. But that is there and you know ninety nine percent of the games I see on Kickstarter, I just like pass on. Like the if they are great, they will come back. Like most of them. That's 16. true. And so you know i i just there's some games that you i know, have pulled the trigger on a couple of them but i i vet them harshly yeah when um, i picked
0: them, when i saw stars of carios it's like i don't know if this is coming to retail my only or big not.
1: miss on <laughs> kickstarter was i just got suckered into tiny epic dinosaurs that was like that's like my
0: one listen i got tiny epic Tactics. Mark. yeah and like, I, I wasn't
1: i'll never do it again <laughs> so
0: tiny epic you fit. you burnt me for me one too many times. When you
1: unbox unbox it pull out a dinosaur and snap it's leg off instantly because it's so small. Uh all right. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap it up here. Just let us know how you're feeling coming out of the past couple of years where board games are at where they're priced. Yeah. Um are you still vacuuming up games left and right trying to build that collection? Yeah. Do you
0: struggle with keeping your budget? Cuz yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've heard Jacob say I've, I've reached my board game limit for the year. I've reached my yeah. board game and limit right for the year. And I'm right there with them. And That was like back in February. He's like, February, I've reached my board game limit for the year, my, yeah. my budgeting, and then and the, well, next here's week the thing. he's the bought nice something else. The nice thing about
1: that is that then we play more games, like, and, and we get to play the games we love more. Like this group, I know, like if, if we could not buy another board game for oh. the next three years, we would be perfectly satisfied. We oh, really my word. Would.
0: <laughs> that yeah like i can tell you right now my current i can pull up i keep i haven't been keeping my plays i've been taking a break mentally from that it's just kind of a just kind of a journey i went on but i have been and keeping that track of games feel the I,
1: freedom to do that matthew feel freedom
0: <laughs> yeah it, i feel free you can't hold <laughs> me down anymore uh but but games that are owned in my collection is at one <laughs> 170
1: Shoot. and you said you wanted to keep that down to 100 huh so we're to have to get rid of seventy one games, seventy two, because because you got to get dead, dead reckoning in there.
0: Oh yeah, um. So yes, we could go quite quite the long while, um. With without buying any games, but that's that's, yeah. that's the thing that would we'll get you It's like, what if I'm missing out on something great?
1: You may be Matthew, but you know you've got some great friends here that you're yeah. surrounded and by. That, that, I think that's that's
0: games. a important life lesson is that. Uh, I heard someone talk once, and it's common sense if you could think of it your own. It's nothing revolutionary, but just think of it like with books. I enjoy reading books, but it's like you will never be able to read all the books that you would, not only in the world, but like of the type of books you enjoy, you'll never be able to read them all. I know. Of all the movies or the shows, you'll never be able to watch them all. You'll never be able to listen to all the music. You'll never be able. It's like there's so much content being created in every medium. Video games, movies, books, music, board games, you name it. Have you ever,
1: like, walked into a bookstore and had, like, an existential yes. crisis? It's because like you're, like, questioning so, my life. There are, there are literally, like, thousands of worlds in this store well, it makes me that que- I
0: am not going to get to experience. It makes me come face-to-face with my own mortality. Yeah. And it, that sounds, I don't know how we got here, but it's, like, a legitimate <laughs> feeling. And let us know in the Discord, yes. definitely. But when you go into a, a bookstore, you're you're overcome with a feeling that of, like, sadness. It will sadness, never happen. Yeah. That... that I'm almost more than the joy I would have of discovering something new. I am burdened by the sadness of things that I will not be able to experience.
1: Preach, Matthew, preach right there. Wow. Are we just. Um, are we? <laughs> I, I'm glad that somebody else has that yes, same experience because yeah, I, I, I can't do it. I'd stay away from it. Last time that I was in a bookstore, I was like, look, yeah, like that's. I was like, rather than like finding one book I could enjoy, I was like, but look at all of these books that I'm not going to be able to read, you know? If Those only guys. there was
0: a service that could tell you the books you would enjoy audible uh, yeah not sponsored <laughs> yeah, not sponsored <laughs> but wish. unless you're like even even tom Vassell, who i would say there is nine no one in existence currently that has has played more games than tom yeah, Vassell.
1: he's an og yeah i mean How you would you would there? have
0: to maybe maybe a jason levine the gaming machine maybe um he literally has a yeah. board game library collection of unopened games in his basement when you, you yeah. look at think- me on youtube but even he will tell you that there i just there's 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 great games that I will just never play just because yeah. I can't. Um, and, and, it like, you don't get,
1: I, I feel like we can kind of get caught in the trap of comparing ourselves to some of these content creators who get sent games. And so they're always reviewing the hotness and blah, blah, blah. But you have to keep in mind, they're getting free copies of most of those games. Oh. Yeah, and if, so you can't really com- you can't be like oh well all the games that which is Dice Tower and Quackalope and all those things that they're getting yeah they're it, getting a lot of those
0: things for free so you yeah, can't I mean and that. there there's a great principle of learning contentment I think because um, yeah. what if which is beyond this podcast but yeah <laughs> it's but definitely like, but something example, I have learned but but it from. will forever stick with my mind we we've mentioned it a bajillion times a three hour game of Onk and then we sat down and played Liars Dice. <laughs> But that's a perfect that's a perfect. <laughs> and
1: Matthew looks up at me and says I've had more fun in the last 5 minutes than I had the last 3 hours playing onk.
0: Uh but, it, but it's true and and I think at the end end of the day board games whatever medium they come in or, or flashiness do they facilitate that experience? Fun, yeah. Right? Yeah. And and that could come in at, that could that's look why, at like a $200 package or $20 package.
1: That's why Liar's Dice is a perfect ten.
0: 10 out of 10 for what it is. All right. Well, that's going to be it for this week's episode. As we mentioned, let us know your thoughts on a Discord. As always, I'm Matthew. I'm Brady. And this has been The The Discussion Phase. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of The Discussion Phase. If you enjoyed our content and like to hear more, make sure to tune back every week for new episodes. You can follow us on Instagram at The Discussion Phase for recent plays and reviews. You can also follow us on Discord with the link below and let us know your thought on all these topics. Thanks, everybody.